you're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Daniel. Daniel was a prophet to Israel and a slave in Babylon. Both. Babylon changed his name, but they couldn't change him. And because of that, he changed their nation. He changed their nation. COVID has changed you. Hurt has changed you. Your daddy leaving you changed you. Your mama dying changed you. Your husband cheating on you changed you. Being fired changed you. The mistakes you've made changed you. I can keep going and going, but you get it. But I'm going to tell you, your situation doesn't have to change you. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how long it lasts, it does not have to change you. And if it already has, which is most of us either now or in some season, there's redemption. Tell somebody it ain't over. It ain't over. And if you don't change what you're doing, your situation is going to continue to change you. Tell somebody, say, flip the script. Flip the script. You got to flip the script. The church right now, the capital C, the body of Christ, we have to flip the script. Because our situation and our circumstances, your circumstances might not even change. But you can. And you can be the change in it. Tell somebody it's about to get thick in here. I told y'all, this is where we change pace. It's about to get real. Lift your hands right now, Lord, one more time, Lord. I just pray that you would uh, share, that we would see your glory, experience it, share it, and not settle for anything less than the goodness of you. I pray that you would help us change so that we can be the change in our situation and our situation and the people in it won't change us. Lord, help us. Right now, help us take back our identity and our confidence in you. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're seated, tell somebody, say, I'm flipping the script. (laughs) Daniel. Y'all ready? For all my guests right now, you got on your bulletin that you were given. Uh, My outline's on there. You can take notes, write it down online. You can go to the church app and get it. We're about to grow. We're about to grow. I've been digging deep in this. Daniel. The name, his name in Hebrew means God is my judge. Tupac didn't come up with that. It was Daniel's name. And it wasn't just Daniel's name. It was his heart and the way he lived his life. Daniel was not just a, we like to see him as a prophet and a hero, but Daniel wasn't just a prophet to Israel. He was a prophet to Israel in the time period that Israel were slaves to the Babylonian Empire. And they changed his name because it was a control power move to Belteshazzar. And Belteshazzar means this, Bell's Prince. That's Belteshazzar's name, Bell's Prince. In uh, Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar said this, "Finally Finally Daniel came to me, I called him Belteshazzar. Why? To honor my God, not Daniel's, mine, because the spirit of the holy gods, his gods, are in him. The name change was given to alienate him, to define him. 
I want you to know straight up, because I told you it's about to get thick in here, I'm going to get real. You want to really dig into the Bible and the principles of it? Here we go. It was given to define him. I'm not talking about baking a cake for a gay couple. That's not what I'm talking about. This is not what's happening. Uh, This isn't talking about a vaccine mandate. Not at all. This isn't talking about prayer in school. This isn't talking about uh, people not liking you, not not agreeing with you. Uh, If if they're not for you, they're against you. No, this is a complete control, a power move. He was not just persecuted. He was a slave. They owned him. Yeah, you will never know a situation like that more than likely. They owned him. They defined him. This was a name. You are not. Daniel means God is my judge. What they were saying is God is not your judge and you were not his property. You were our property, Belteshazzar. This is a complete control, a shift. And by the way, in Isaiah, we know because of Isaiah's writing that Daniel was also made a eunuch. Which for those of you who were so uh, far removed, and haven't read history, that means that they got rid of his plumbing so that he couldn't procreate. Complete control. Complete control move. We own you, Belteshazzar. We define your name. We define who you are. And the word works, y'all. The principles of the scripture work only if you work them. So I want to teach you through Daniel some things in the book of Daniel and the way Daniel did it. And honestly, we're going to see that it's the way Jesus did it. That if you will practice this, if you will put this to practice in your life, in your situation, I promise you, you will be the change in your situation instead of your situation changing you. Making you callous, making you cold, making you play the victim, making you manipulate, making you be all all hungry for affirmation and grasping for straws because you don't feel worthy tell somebody right now say it works if you work it I want to teach you I want to take you to Daniel chapter 1 tell somebody say I'm ready I'm ready as a matter of fact say this I want to be challenged by the scripture because I'm telling you sometimes you got to get your feelings hurt to push you to the next level because there comes a point in all our life where like I don't want to take that step and if you don't get a little push you won't take it and we're taking it tell somebody I'm ready Daniel chapter 1. Let me give you the backstory. what's going on. King Nebuchadnezzar is the first king when Daniel's coming around and coming up, coming up in his influence. Nebuchadnezzar says, I want you to bring all the Israelites to, I want you to bring the best looking, the most intelligent, the most capable. I want you to bring them to me. And what he was going to do is he's going to train them. He was going to make them Babylonians. Okay, because the way, you, the way he was brilliant, these, these ancient cultures were brilliant. The way these, it was bad, but it's brilliant. Because if you change their culture, you destroy it. See, if you leave one baby that can grow up and take back their, their country, that's cool. But the way you destroy it is you get the most powerful people and you conform them to whatever you want to conform them to. This is really 2022. You just got to let me get to my point. So he said, bring the best because we're going to make them Babylonians. We're going to train them. We're going to educate them. And they're even going to eat my food. We're going to, because a lot of times the way people change you is, is give you what you want or give you what you, better than what you got just to manipulate you. 
Nothing's changed. I want to show you. So this is what happened. Verse, uh, verse 5, it says, The king assigned them. Daniel was one of the ones that was the best of the best that uh, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to change them to destroy the Israeli culture. Um, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchen. Now, nowadays, we look and we think that, uh, yes, there's a huge... Uh, there's a huge gap between what royalty eats and what we eat. You know, we like McDonald's, but you go see some of the stuff in these movies they eat, and it was even more so what common people ate and what, ain't, what um, royalty ate back then. There was even a bigger gap. It was even more disproportionate. So these little, these young Jewish boys were actually getting like stuff they never thought they'd ever live to get to eat. King wanted to give them his food. They were trained... They, would be, they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen. Not all of them, but four of them. All from the tribe of Judah. That's very important because Jesus was the bloodline of the tribe of Judah. There were 12 in Israel. This is Jesus' people. This is his bloodline. The chief of staff remained uh, renamed them with Babylonian names. Daniel, we've already talked about. Belteshazzar, check this out, all my people that grew up in church in Sunday school. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. I want to stop right there because we didn't even get taught right in Sunday school. In Sunday school, in Daniel 3, you hear about these three boys that King Nebuchadnezzar actually uh, threw them into a fiery furnace because they said, because Nebuchadnezzar got this big thing. He said, I'm going to build a 90-foot statue. If you don't worship it, you're getting thrown into the furnace. They said, Neb, we ain't going to do it. And if God throws us in the fire, don't save us, he ain't going to save us. That's cool. They got thrown into the fire. Jesus was in the fire with them. Remember last week I told you that Jesus made some cameo appearances in the Old Testament? That was Jesus in there with them because Jesus is in there with you. It's time for you to realize and do something about it. So anyway, what happened was not they came out of the fire without even the smell of smoke and led that entire generation of Babylonians to the God of Israel that day. But what we're taught in Sunday school is their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was not their names. That was their slave names. Here we go. Name changer. Tell somebody a name's more than a name. I wrote this series because I wanted you to see the Bible is so much deeper than we ever truly dig into. Hananiah was what meant beloved by the Lord. They changed his name to Shadrach, which means illuminated. It, that's their sun god. That was the Babylonian sun god. Mishael means who is as God. You know, we say now, can't nobody do me like God. Ain't nobody like Jesus. That was what Mishael's name meant. To Meshach, which means who, it, which means who is like Shaq. I'm not talking about Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, Shaq was believed to be a Babylonian goddess. All my women out there, the Babylonians gave you cred. You had gods with you. Nobody appreciated that for real. Dad joke. I'm turning into one of those guys. I'm sorry. Azariah, men in Hebrew, the Lord is my help. Everything we talk about, they changed his name to Abednego, which means servant of Nego. Once again, they're God. The agenda and the goal is simple to see here. Conform them. Change them. In 2022, we say this. We say culture trumps everything. And it does. Very, very true. The culture of your marriage will define your marriage. And you get to define the culture, by the way. Culture doesn't get to define you unless you let it. The culture of the, your kids, what they see in you, the culture of your job will define your job. The culture of your family will define your family. We come every year, we grow closer to God so that we can change the culture that needs to change in our lives and every part of them. 
The culture of every part. The culture trumps everything. So the goal here is the same goal you're either working for or against what God wants to do in your life and what you need to do in your life. So what happens is if you change their culture, you change them. You control them. The word religion comes from the word ligament. It's actually derived from the word ligament. What do ligaments hold us together? Control. It's why every side of every political issue in every culture to ever exist, America's nothing new, we're just larger. Every side of politics, politicians play on religious people because religion is actually something that can control. I'm about to say this. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm going to say it confidently. I'm going to throw a Hail Mary, and if it hits you in the heart, it hits you in the heart. If it doesn't, it can hurt your feelings, because if this hurts your feelings, you ain't going to like me, and you're going to be gone long any, uh, soon anyway. Culture has influenced our Christianity more than Christ has influenced our Christianity. 100%. You don't believe me? People leave churches and choose churches based on politics. Nothing changed. Culture changes. People don't change the way we are manipulated. No, no new tricks, no, just new faces. The trillionaire Solomon in the Bible who ended up, his wisdom didn't even work for him because he stopped working it. But he even said there's nothing new under the sun in Proverbs or in Ecclesiastes. Listen to me. You don't believe me that our culture has been so influenced by, or excuse me, our Christianity has been more influenced by culture than by Christ? You don't believe me? Why are we willing to ruin relationships and reputations over secondary issues that don't even matter that much? Why are, you, why are we willing to do that? I'll tell you why. It's because we are, that our culture in ourselves and in our churches are being changed. I will say this straight up point blank and I'm not afraid of it because it's very true and it's true in my own heart. I had to address it, still have to. Christ has changed us. Excuse me, culture has changed us more than Christ has changed us. And for you to really accept that truth is the only way to move forward. I'm gonna say it one more time and I want you to really hear. Culture has changed us more than Christ has changed us. Not just the last two years. Our entire lives. It's always been that way. We just, we get the choice and we either choose to flip the script or we choose to settle and be complacent. They changed Daniel's name, but they couldn't change him. He changed their nation. This was very easy. This was the goal. Tell somebody right now, say I'm flipping the script. Say it like you mean it. Say, I'm flipping the script. Online, you better say it from your couch. Drop it in a comment. Say, I'm flipping the script. You got to flip the script over addiction, over unforgiveness, over, over um, bitterness, over, uh, over generational curses. Because I'm going to show you, they ain't really curses. They're patterns because you choose to change your culture or continue your culture in your own life. 
You got to flip the script. I'm telling you, Catalyst, we've had culture issues here. We've been open long enough that I've had to address culture issues. And I tell our staff every week that we've been growing, I've learned. And I'm telling you, we keep our eyes on Jesus. I'm not trying to relearn culture problems that, that I learned. I've already learned the heartbreaking way. Culture trumps everything. If you allow the culture of your life and heart to change, it will be changed. Flip the script. Tell somebody right now, say flip the script. You got to change what you're doing or your situation is going to continue to change you and the people in the season of your life and the next season will too. You got to flip the script. You got to flip it. Daniel chapter 8, it says this, or excuse me, verse 1 or verse 8. But Daniel was determined. This is going to be silly for a lot of you, but I'm going to have to show you. It's very 2022. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff, the king's chief of staff, for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. I want to stop right there. He let him change his name, right? You know why he let him change his name? Because he already knew who he was. They couldn't redefine him. See, it's the reason I can stand up here and I can take a lot more criticism than most people because I've had to learn I know who I am, I know who I'm not, and somebody else doesn't get to tell me that. Daniel had the maturity to say, you can change my name because I already know who I am. He said, I'll take your education. I'm game with y'all changing my I can read all your literature. I can read it all. You can change. I can change the education. But, I will, but, I, but I'm not okay with eating your food. And it's crazy because you're like, why? All my guys in the place are like, man, I would start to take my stand at the whole plumbing issue. You know, that's just something I'm not willing to lose. Feed me the nice food that the king's eating because I ain't never had any of that, but I, I, I need my plumbing. But Daniel's like, uh-uh, I'll do all that. I'll lose that, but I'm not going to eat your food. Here's why. In Jewish culture and even New Testament Jewish Christian culture, hang with me. I told you I'm teaching now because I want you to see how, how relevant the Bible is for everything you will ever face. I've been telling Garrett that for the last few months. In Jewish culture and New Testament Jewish Christian culture, what you were willing to ingest in your body was directly connected to your relationship with God. You don't believe me? All my people that love the Bible, 1 Corinthians 8, Paul is speaking. He, re- he wrote his letter to the church he planted in Corinth, and he's dealing with the issue of meat, eating meat sacrificed to idols. Why? Because it was in their culture that what I'm willing to ingest is directly connected with how close I am to God. And you're like, well, that's just ridiculous. Not really. Because 2,000 years later, across the world, our dysfunctions and defects may be different, but they're really not different. They're just a different flavor of the same dysfunction. Watch this. Uh, you're, you, uh, you will very rarely dig into the scripture uh, but you will obsess, obsess over your money all day. You are, here's, you're willing to take the toxic relationship for way too long, let them mistreat your kids because what you're willing to ingest is what you're willing to allow in your life. And what you're willing to allow and not confront is directly connected to your relationship with God. You're willing to sit there, hey, hey, you're willing to sacrifice your career because of your family. Excuse me, sacrifice your family pursuing a career. It really ain't that different. 
Culture changes. People don't. Your kids are watching you, parents. They're watching what you're willing to not confront, what you're willing to just let go in your house. They're watching the words that you're speaking to your spouse. And even if they're not terribly abusive, they're not okay to say, and they're watching. And they're, So don't get mad, daddies, when she brings home a boyfriend that you don't like the way he treats her because she just only has the reference of how you treat her mama. You can't get angry at you. Well, you can, you just shouldn't. What you're willing to allow. Generational curses, they're not just these supernatural that take millions and millions of hours to break because God breaks them, they're patterns. Because your kids pass down the dysfunctional traits of you and then your grandkids. I've been able to live three generations now and see them very closely in my own life. Things that aren't bad, they're just not good for me. And then things that are bad that I think I beat. Until I realize, oh no, it just looks different than my grandparents and my grand and my parents. No, no, no. Culture. So don't look at Daniel and say, well, why did he choose the food? That was their culture. Ours is what are you willing to take and not confront in your life? What are you willing? Because when you're willing to let things go that you should be changing in your life or not having conversations that you need to confront, that is directly connected with your closeness and maturity in Jesus. So Daniel says, I don't want to eat your food. I'm not going to eat your food. He doesn't say it like that. Actually, he's very kind, but he's convicted. So what he does is, I'm not going to read in your notes verses uh, verses 9 through 15. I'm going to summarize it for the sake of time. He, t- he asked the chief of staff, he says, hey, I won't eat it. The Bible says he got favor with the chief of staff. Chief of staff says, hey, Daniel, I'm scared. I could get beheaded by King Nebuchadnezzar for doing this. I don't want to do it. And honestly, he's right. Because in that time period, ancient kings usually gave out very sadistic punishments. We know in history that a king of Judah, Israel, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the way he killed him was he killed his son and made the king of Judah watch. And then he gouged the king of Judah's eyes out so that the last memory would be of his son being murdered before him. That's this king right here. So when the chief of staff says, like in a nice way, Daniel, like I respect you, but I ain't trying to lose my life over this instead of force him. He had favor and Daniel realized it. So you know what Daniel did? He compromised. We always talk about I ain't willing to compromise. That's why your marriage is unhealthy. You're like, "Ah, I'm just not willing to compromise. Well, get ready for about seven divorces and everybody hates you who any kids you create hate you. Daniel said, hey, 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 hey. Daniel said, look, how about let's do this? I'm paraphrasing the 9 through 15. He says, give me 10 days. We won't eat the king's food, vegetables, and water. That's it. And after 10 days, if we don't look more healthy and don't ha- aren't better than all these other cats who are eating the king's food, which, by the way, they were Israelites too, whether they ate the food out of convenience or whether they were just scared, they ate the food. He said, if we're not more healthy living off vegetables and water than them eating off the royalty of the king, 
We'll come talk about it. He put it on God. See, you're too busy putting, putting your, the point you want to prove on you. You'll get on social media and argue for 17 hours. You'll burn friendships and bridges and then blame them, wonder why they want to burn them. It's because you try to prove the point. You don't realize you were so immature and you're, you're, you're the reason you got so much tension and stress in your life. And you're like, wow, Daniel made some sense. I don't want to allow something in my life that significantly affects my relationship with God. It just looks different in our culture. (laughs) So he said, uh, God says, okay, chief of staff says, let's do it. Ten days later, he looked at him, and it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, it says that they were healthier than all the other men after eating ten days of nothing but water and veggies. Because remember, this training session was going to last three years. Three years. Tell somebody said that's favor. That's impossible. Eating all that meat. Because we, we eat steak at the local uh, whatever restaurant. They didn't get steak much back then. They get to eat the meat and taters like old southern boys that working on a farm. These boys lived off vegetables and water, and in 10 days, it was a significant difference. Tell somebody said that's favor. I want you to see how you get it in your life because nothing's changed. The promise of God hadn't changed in your life. Verse 16, check this out. So what the chief of staff did is he said, okay, we'll do this the next three years. You proved it to me. Let's go. Verse 16, so after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables uh, instead of the food and the wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. Tell somebody, say, that's favor. I don't know what your gifts are in your life, but if you want to see them rise to the surface and get clarity, why don't you start being faithful and take some steps of faith and actually take what God's doing in your life seriously. So anyway, he says, and, and, God, gave, they gave, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period Ordered by the king was completed three years, veggies and water. The chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one impressed them, him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Notice that in the writer here, Daniel, calls them by their Israeli names because they changed their names, but they couldn't change them. They changed the nation of Babylon. So they entered the royal service. Royal service, they got promoted when the king consulted them in any manner. Requ- I about came off this stage right here, y'all. This excites me. I just about, y'all just about, y'all been waiting for it. It's about happened. So they entered the royal service whenever the king consulted them with any ma- matter requiring, read that with me, wisdom and balanced judgment, the thing that all of us in our culture is missing real bad right now. He found them, who? Daniel? And the boys, them boys, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. That's favor. That's favor. 
So you want to know what happens? Daniel chapter 3, I told you about the fiery furnace. Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar's having these terrible nightmares. Guess who he calls? Not all his other boys. He calls his slave, Daniel, and says, hey, I need you to interpret this dream. And Daniel says, hey, I wish what I'm about to tell you was for your your enemies, but it's for you. You're about to go crazy for a season. You're going to eat with the animals because you're going to have to repent before God will honor your kingdom. Guess what happens? Sure enough, man goes back crap crazy and eats with the animals for a season. Daniel chapter 5, there's a new king that Daniel's getting to serve. Actually, he's not getting to serve. He's on retirement, but God puts him back in the game, not Daniel. Belshazzar's an arrogant, humble, I almost said a bad word there, king. And he has this big party to like just, just flaunt that I'm the Babylonian king. And what happens is this supernatural hand starts writing on the walls. And the Bible actually says that Belshazzar starts shaking. His knees start shaking. Man is terrified. All his boys, because Daniel's retired, man. He was Nebuchadnezzar's slave. He's just a slave now. All his boys can't figure out what's going on. They're shaking, the Bible says. Knees shaking up in this. Somebody tells Belshazzar, not Daniel. Somebody says, King Nebuchadnezzar had this slave boy named Daniel. He was the best of the best. He'll tell you exactly what's going on. God put Daniel back in the game. Not him. You're trying to get the promotion. You're trying to get on it. Tell somebody flip the screw up. You got to change your culture. You got to change what you're doing or what you're doing is going to change you. God honored it. You want to get the promotion? Quit talking about how much you deserve the promotion. You want God to honor you? You quit honoring yourself so much and be quiet and work. Fight. Let God fight the battles you can't fight and control the things you can't control and you make the small decisions that you can control. Quit trying to tell your wife what she needs to do better and be quiet and work on yourself and I promise you God will fill some gaps in the marriage that you cannot. Daniel was done. But God put him back in the game. God put him back in the game. Yeah, there's a boy named Daniel. You need to go reach out to him. He did. And Daniel, Daniel interpreted this crazy moment that wasn't a dream. It actually happened. The writing on the wall is what it's called in the Bible. He says, Belshazzar, you are an evil man. You are not humble. You've been prideful. He said, today, or he says, your life is going to be taken from you and the Babylonian kingdom is going to be split into the Mede Persian. The Mede and Persians are going to split it. That night, Belshazzar's life was taken from him and the Babylonian kingdom was split into the Mede Persian kingdom just like Daniel said. Next king, King Darius. King Darius loved Daniel because people realize at this point, you don't play with Daniel. Daniel's got an anointing and authority, and an authority. He's got favor from God. Even if they don't believe in his God, they know something's up. Because anointing and favor in your life comes supernaturally. Everybody knows it's not you. I promise you, me stepping on this stage with my learning disabilities, if you think it's me, you need to hang out with me during the week for a while when I'm getting on the staff's nerves and I'm not making sense. And I say, we got to be done with this meeting because I, I can't even think straight. Darius loves him. King Darius loves Daniel. But there's people that surround King Darius that get jealous of Daniel. And they, 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 talk, they trick King Darius into making this law that he would have to enforce or his kingship wouldn't be taken seriously. And he had to throw Daniel, his friend, into a lion's den. And all my people who grew up in church, you know, God shut the mouth of the lion for Daniel. And once again, that entire empire, which was now a Mede-Persian empire, got to see the work and the glory of the God of Israel 
They changed Daniel's name. They couldn't change him. He changed their nation. Daniel would serve five kings throughout his life. He would help the Babylonian Empire become the most powerful that it was. When you take history in high school, Daniel helped the Babylonian Empire. He didn't look. I'll get to that in a minute. Daniel had an authority and he didn't flaunt it. He didn't force anybody into it. He didn't get mad. He exemplified it and he practiced it. And he changed their culture. One man, one slave, one slave, one slave, one slave. Catalyst Church, according to the gospel and the God I serve, you have access to that same favor. You have access to that same authority. You have access to that same anointing. Tell somebody right now, say, flip the script. You've got to change your culture. You've got to change some of the things you're doing or what you're doing is going to keep changing you. They changed his name. They took his plumbing. They took everything that made him Israel, but they couldn't change his heart. And he changed their nation. And so for the rest of this message, to end it off, I want to give you three shifts right now that you need to make now. Not tomorrow, not work towards. Tell somebody today. 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 These are things that it may not be easy to ask you to change in your life, but you should. It's reasonable. And honestly, if you want to change your culture, three shifts. Daniel did it, Jesus did it, and we got to get back to it in the American church because if we don't, we're going to continue to be a culture-influenced church instead of a Jesus-influenced church. And um, and I'm talking to myself here because I'm about to hurt my own feelings. Trust me, it took me a minute to get through this message when I prepared it. You tell somebody, say now. Now, one, uh, see the world, see people, not the enemy. Daniel didn't see, I'm about to hurt, look, I'm about to come against your norm. Daniel didn't see or treat Babylon as the enemy. Matter of fact, quite the contrary, he built the Babylonian Empire, helped build it to its, to the, to its largest. Jesus did the same thing. He didn't see He didn't see people that way. He didn't see enemies. Jesus actually prayed in John 17. He said, I prayed that they will be in the world, not of it. What he did not pray is that the world was the enemy. But in our church culture, we see the world and people outside of what we believe, how we look, what we do. We see them as the enemy. Jesus did not. He respect. No, I ain't getting a point to yet. I'm going to stay right here for a minute. Jesus did. You, our culture, we see, if we're Democrats, we see Republicans. If we're Republicans, we see Democrats. We see Muslims. We see enemies. You know how our God saw the matriarch of the Arab nation? I'll tell you, you go find it in Genesis. Hagar, and let me tell you, she was the victim of the story. The father of our faith, Abraham, was the victimizer. Hagar did what she was told. When Sarah flipped out and said, I can't have a baby, go sleep with your maidservant. Hagar didn't have an affair. She was a slave. And you know what? Sarah and Abraham get all conflict. They kick her out. And you know what? Hagar's in the desert. And it's one of the most, I'm going to try not to cry because right now, this is who our God is. This is how our God saw her. It's not how Americans see them or see people, anybody, your neighbor. The Bible says in the desert that she called out to our God. She called him Adonai Elroy, which is the first time that's ever mentioned. It means the God who sees. Amen. 
She's in the desert alone because of a situation that's not her fault. And she says, you are the God who sees me. Not the God who people in the church are saying, let's go make a sandbag. I've heard it for 20 years now. Let's go make a sandbag out of the Middle East and make a parking lot out of it. No, the God who sees. People are not your enemy. I don't care what they did to you. And I said it. Baby, you always say I need to be nice and say it doesn't matter. I I don't care what they did to you. They are not your enemy. If you believe the Bible, Paul says we war not against flesh and blood. People aren't your enemy. People aren't the problem. Not in your life. And if they are. Hey, Paul said if God be for me, who can be against me? Tell somebody right now, say people aren't my enemy. Actually, you did that too quiet, so let's up the game. Think about the person that the mention of their name makes you anxious and heavy and gives you tense tense moments. Think about it. I'll give you like three seconds. You ready? You got them in your brain? Say, they're not my enemy. Say it like you mean it. Say, they're not my enemy. And even if they are your enemy, Jesus said, bless those who curse you and pray for your enemies. He didn't just say that to say it like we post memes in scripture saying it because it sounds good. Jesus went to a cross to die for what he believed and he lives today because he wanted you to know that the principles of the word work. If you will make that your culture and not the culture that's around you because your situation may not change, but you can change your situation. You don't have to let your heart change. He did not see, he, Jesus saw people. Do you remember when he stood and the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. There's a lot of people in my life that I hurt my heart breaks for them. I wish they could find what they're looking for and I may not be the one to help them find it, but I'm going to tell you, you can't, you got to forgive everybody for everything because people want your enemy. And we live in a culture because we are the most uh, powerful nation by a long shot to ever exist that we easily make people who don't agree with us or like us our enemy. Jesus didn't do that. It's not Christian, that's culture. Mm, I just got everybody real quiet. I figure some, somebody ain't come back next week. Number two, quit spending so much time rejecting culture. Mm. Spend less time arguing your sides of issues. Quit. Quit. And villainizing them if they don't see it your way. My brother told me something. Brock, I love you. He watches from Atlanta and he drives from Atlanta to serve once a month. Talk about all my new people that are ready to get connected and want to serve. My brother will drive from about a few blocks from the Brave Stadium to serve once a month. I love you. My bro- Brock is like, the, he is the uh, antagonist of our family, even when I don't want him to be. And a few months ago, he told me, because he'd seen, you know, what God had kind of done in my heart the last uh, year or so. He says, I was really, um, I wanted this thing to come on top and screw a little bit. That's why I'm buzzing. I never tie it. I never twist it tight enough because my tail's lazy. Um, he, um, my brother said, Ben, he said, man, I was real worried about you and all the election stuff in 2020 and all the quarantine and social issues and racism. He said, you were so frustrated. And he said, um, and he said, uh, he said, I didn't like it that Garrett and Sarah were seeing you so frustrated because that's, I, I've known you a lot longer than them. And, um, he said, I didn't want Garrett and Sarah seeing that that was okay. And it bothered me because I love people. But what it did is 
you could, if you knew me very well, you knew that my preaching, I was frustrated in my preaching on this stage. I couldn't even enjoy my family the same way. I was easily provoked in the conversations when people were really just joking. It's because I started buying into the distraction and getting baited into bad conversation, trying to reject culture. It's not my job to prove somebody else is wrong. I'm a pastor and that's hard for me to do, but I'm telling you it's not my job. You know what you need to do better. I just get to get up here and try to challenge you and encourage you to do it. I don't quit spending so much time, man. It doesn't matter how right I was about the people issues. I was still, it was a waste, which means it was wrong. It was a waste. Jesus respected culture. That's how we reached them. You don't think that? Why, why that? Well, he let him put him on a cross. When he's literally getting accused of things he didn't do, the Bible says he kept his mouth shut because they were going to twist his words, but they weren't going to change him. He was going to the cross either way, but he's going to go to the cross respectably. He reached culture. He reached your heart that way. Not rejecting the things that are wrong in you, but respecting you as an image bearer and a child of God. And because of that, he brings the best out of you when you pursue him. But we have been influenced by culture. Change our culture, change us. Lastly, quit living with a chip on your shoulder. God will not honor church people with chips on their shoulder. He will not honor anybody that has a chip on their shoulder. Take it from me. When, when we started Catalyst, came out of a real ugly church situation because when culture, when culture gets toxic, it's only a matter of time. People are just going to get hurt. It ain't, honestly, I don't blame anybody for what came out. Culture got messed up and you either reel it back in or it, or it reels you in and ruins everything. And we move over here and we, we, we start this church and we start over there across town where the axe throwing bar is. That was the first catalyst for anybody who doesn't know. 2017. And I remember I didn't even like to preach for the first six months. I had a chip on my shoulder. I wasn't a catalyst. I was callous. I was cold. And I had to really look into my heart and it took me a long time. I don't think if I hadn't learned this principle, I don't think I would have made it through the last two years with COVID and everything that everybody's been through. When you live with a chip on your shoulder, you won't change the world. It'll change you. Tell somebody, say flip the script. 600 years later, Daniel lived 600 years before Jesus. 600 years later, those wise men that you read about in the Christmas story were looking for the star of David because of the influence that Daniel had on their ancestors. They were the last remnant of the fallen Babylonian empire. They were wise men, sorcerers, just like he was. 600 years later, that's the impact he had. All those years and they still, he had influence. And those Babylonians came to, Beth, or came to Bethlehem and worshiped baby Jesus because of Daniel. They changed his name. They couldn't change him. And he changed their nation. You can be the change in the marriage that, you're, that you don't think will ever get healed that you're just staying in.
You can be the change in the hurt from your childhood. You can be changed. You can be the change in the toxic environments and relationships that you've allowed in your life. You can be the change in this world. You can be the change at your job. Actually, that's what God's called you to do. And you've got to change what you're doing and flip the script so that you can begin to be faithful. And God, who already sees you, will begin to honor you just like he did Daniel. Because Daniel did some amazing things. But all these years later, that's the calling God's put on your life. Your anointing won't be mine. Mine won't be yours. But tell somebody, say, I got one. I got one. You got one. And one decision at a time, one brick at a time. I don't care how big your gaps are in your life, the debt, the pain, the dysfunction, the past. One brick at a time, one decision at a time. If you'll build your life on Jesus, he will honor you. He will grow what you give him. He will change your life and you will be the change in the world. Jesus said, greater things will we do as a team, as a unit. It's the truth. Tell somebody, say, it's true. It's true. Will you stand with me right now? Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at imcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.